0: This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is, we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're bonded. Or we're wearing leather, or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex.
1: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex with Ken Melvoin-Berg and Sonny Megatron. Hey, Ken. Hey, Sonny.
0: <laughs> You're really tired. Okay, so uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah. American fuckers. If you haven't been following along, the saga from week to week. Ken has been in Los Angeles for the last two months working on uh, production for a movie. You just rapped, right?
1: Yeah, we just rapped. We had our uh, great rap party um, where we did a little bit of karaoke. There were some cocktails that were to be had. Uh, Mr. Hollywood Heard, our production supervisor, did a rousing rendition of Sir mix lots I Like Big Butts, uh, and it was uh, pretty darn funny. We had a really good time.
0: That means there was rapping at the rap party, Ken?
1: There was indeed (laughs) rapping at the rap party. (laughs)
0: So I get to see you in one week. Ken will be back in Chicago, which I'm very, very excited about.
1: Me too. I'm gonna sleep for a week.
0: You are. You I definitely am. are.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Ken Melvoinberg.
0: Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Sonny Magatra. Why are we sounding like this? Are
1: we exasperated, Ken? What's <laughs> I don't know about we, but I am. <laughs> For fuck's and sake!
2: What episode is
0: this guest?
1: <laughs> Sixty-two. The uh, <laughs> American Sex Podcast. Uh,
0: this week's guest is Hudsie Hahn. No, we had to say her name night because she's awesome. Right. This week's guest is Hudsie Hahn. There you go.
1: Now, Hudsey Hawn is a media personality, writer, BDSM coach, pro-dom, and singer. With an employment resume that has ranged from Disneyland to the dungeon, Hudsey's journey from vanilla to kink accidentally began in 2005, and she's never looked back. Miss Hahn has written for Men's Health Magazine, Kink Weekly, appeared in BuzzFeed's very popular The Try Guys Try BDSM episode, The Jason Ellis Show, Straight Talk with Ross Matthews, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Playboy, the e-special, The Real Fifty Shades of Grey, and A&E's Storage Wars. Hudsey is currently touring her classes and musical memoir show at select venues across the globe. You can also learn more about Hudsey at Kink.com.
0: Okay, I fucking love Hudsey. We both fucking love Hudsey. She is our twin in different ways like you you both share a birthday we share very similar philosophies and life experiences and i very much enjoyed this interview we get into it we talk about her kinky origin story so how she discovered kink much later in life in her 30s and how it brought everything in perspective to her and her origin story I don't know. It is so relatable, no matter your kink level, no matter, you know, even if you're not kinky at all, like how she found strength and growth through tragedy. I think you're all going to get something out of this. She also tells us about the world of uh, pro-submissives, pro-dominance. Is pretty and- awesome. Yeah, cuz we don't really talk to a lot of pro subs and also about the importance of finding common ground with those that are vanilla or kink curious. It, this interview is just is really good. You're all are really really going to
1: enjoy it. Did you just say vanilla or kink curious so there's somebody who's vanilla curious out there?
0: Maybe. <laughs> Think about it, like, because we've talked to some of our super duper kinky friends, and they've they're like so kinky. They're like sometimes I just want to cuddle up, you know, and be tender.
1: So I'm vanilla curious,
0: vanilla curious is a thing.
1: <laughs> that is not a thing. No, it is no. now. No. no, it is now. Making it a thing. Overruled. No, no. Vanilla right. curious. Everybody starts out at vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's the baseline. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say anybody's vanilla curious. Nobody's curious about vanilla. That's the baseline. There's nothing wrong with vanilla. It's a great flavor, but it's the baseline. Line okay. in the sand. So, hey, Sonny, what time is it?
2: It's big it's welcome, welcome and heart heartfelt appreciation time, appreciation
1: time
0: to the, to new, the new
1: members of, of our Patreon, Patreon
0: family.
1: family oh boy it was good until we did that <laughs> you know what we really missed an opportunity we actually should have had hudsey sing i thought about what? that in the middle of the interview oh, i know shit. we we Damn missed it. a major opportunity there we did
0: while. we next time we get her we'll have because okay so last week as i was singing the the song i'm like last it is week a different on tune.
1: american sex podcast
0: <laughs> I, it's a different tune every time and i really would love for someone who's a musician To like do a little background music that gives me a consistent key so it's the same every time. So I'm going to put that call out there again. Any musicians listening, help me with my Patreon jingle. Thank you.
1: Maybe we can ask Hudsy for help and pay her for it. Oh. Because that's what she does. We could pay her in spankings because
0: when you listen to the interview listeners, you'll get what that means.
1: So I want to give a big welcome and our heartfelt appreciation to our new Patreon family members, Angela, Dustin, nikki and tanya they all joined us this week and american sex podcast patreon members get bonus stories from our guests extra episodes random surprises in the mail and more in fact we just printed a huge batch of the first ever american sex podcast stickers i haven't even seen them yet each october patreon member will get a few in the mail and guess what two of you won't get just stickers. You'll also be getting a pleasure product surprise package as well. In our prize closet, we've got all sorts of things, BDSM gear, vibrators, insertables, lubes, etc. And we'll pick out a couple of things and send them randomly to two of you. Now, how awesome is that? Now hop on over to patreon.com slash American sex to get in on this.
0: And yeah, I have been spending lots and lots of time revamping our Patreon member page. And this sticker thing and the pleasure products package, it is the first of a lot of new things to come. I attended a creator's boot camp in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and I'm heading to Patreon LA at the end of the month, a whole weekend convention for Patreon creators. Now, one new thing I started doing is for all new members that join, I record a silly personal greeting when they join using an app called Bonjoro. So it sends my videos right to your email. And I sang a horribly rhyming song to Dustin in the meat Out of the grocery store this past week. And Angela... She got her greetings sung to her in the middle of Taco Bell. Now, both times I was with my daughter and when I started singing loudly, not only did people start looking, she just walked away and left me. So when I looked up to my camera, I just had strangers staring at me like, what the hell? And then she's like, Mom, people are staring. So if you want one of those messages, (laughs) join our Patreon because you never know where you're going to catch me and of course like ken said you'll get a lot of other cool stuff too including stickers go to patreon.com slash american sex
1: now every month we also give away a pleasure product to our listener we've actually got two giveaways happening right now the first american sex podcast october giveaway sponsored by castle megastore you can win a lovance edge prostate Massager valued at 119 American dollars. Like all the other Love Ents products, this prostate toy is controllable via Bluetooth app from anywhere in the world with a smartphone. To enter, go to sunnymegatron.com slash edge, E-D-G-E. And you can also get 20% off select items at castlemegastore.com when you use the code sunny. That's S-U-N-N-Y at checkout.
0: I am also hosting a giveaway on my Instagram page right now, for a Tantus Rumble. Now this giveaway is sponsored by award-winning online retailer DallasNovelty.com. Dallas Novelty has been in the adult business for over 15 years and they offer over 18,000 different products. One thing they specialize in is helping customers who are disabled from birth or accident because it's a niche that's often overlooked. Dallas Novelty founder and owner Nick Mahler has a very rare disease called FOP. It turns all of his muscles his ligaments, and his tendons to solid bone, and FOP has no cure. So having a disease that severely limits mobility and reach has caused Nick to have to creatively adapt in many situations, including intimacy. And through this, he recognized that intimacy is important to everyone, regardless of ability. So at Dallas Novelty, Nick and his team are dedicated to helping customers from all walks of life find the perfect toy or come up with a solution to allow them to experience orgasms just as much as able-bodied customers. So the Tannis Rumble is one of the products Dallas Novelty recommends to those looking for a powerful massager that's also easy to hold and won't transfer vibrations to the hands causing numbness. It's also convertible using a bunch of optional internal and external attachments that were specially developed by Tantus. So if you want to get in on entering the Tantus rumble contest, head on over to Instagram.com slash sunny Megatron to enter and also make sure to visit Dallasnovelty.com to check out their large selection of sex toys and accessories made for every body.
1: Now, speaking of Texas, Austin, we are going to be in you coming on the weekend of November 10th. Sonny and I are going to be teaching and hanging out at the Friends Club. It is one of the largest swing clubs in the state of Texas. Uh, you can find out more about the event where we're going to be teaching classes and hanging out with everybody there at AustinFriends.com. American fuckers,
0: are you ready to get you some Hudsy? Cause this is a great interview. Pop in those earbuds, pop in those butt plugs, pop in whatever you want to pop in that's going to make this interview enjoyable. And, uh, make sure that
1: butt plug has a handle though, cause you'll find out why in this episode.
0: No, actually in the bonus story, you'll find out I completely why. completely lied. <laughs> yes. The bonus story at patreon.com slash American sex. There is a butt plug cautionary tale that Hudsey told us, so go there too. But right now, here's an interview with Hudsey Han.
2: Hi, Hudsy. Hi, Hi Hudsy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't know her, this is my sister from another mister. That my, is very true. My birthday twin, Miss Hudsey Han, and we are so happy to have you on finally. <laughs>
2: Yay, I'm honored. Thank you for thinking to invite me.
1: Of course.
0: Yeah, of course. You're you're absolutely freaking amazing. Aww. Um you are. <laughs> you are. You know you well are. and you're my
2: twin. Like I have your husband for a brother and you're my doppelganger. People are always yeah. like, sunny I'm like, no, it's Hudsy, but I'm flattered.
0: <laughs> but you know what now? I've gone natural. Like I'm oh, curly brown cool. now.
2: Okay, yeah, well, that'll be easier for everyone.
0: <laughs> it's totally unless unless you decide to go curly brown at some point. Well, yeah, because I'm,
2: I'm a dirty blonde naturally. So if I do that, everyone's going to just be like, come on, we just figured this out. And now you've confused us again.
0: Yeah, maybe we should plan something. Yeah. I actually have a wig. I have a wig that looks exactly like my hair, uh, and the reason I bought it is because I keep contemplating getting bangs. Right. So I'm like, instead of cutting my own hair, I'll just cut bangs in the wig, and I'll feel like I have bangs, so oh, I can practice to see if I want bangs. Right. Or so maybe I can dress I...
1: up as you for Halloween.
0: Oh my god, yes, and I'll yeah. be ten. Oh my god, <laughs> we gotta do this. We gotta do okay. So anyway, the the audience is like, "What the fuck, your Halloween costume? We want to hear about Hudson." So one thing that really, I don't know, intrigues me about you, or that kind of makes me feel a kinship with you is like, when I float around either, you know, the sex positive community, the sex educator community, the dom community, you know, all of those intertwining communities, a lot of people when you talk about their origin story, it's like, so how did you get into kink? They're like, well, I was 12. And I started tying up the neighbor girl, you know, (laughs) and like, and I feel like me getting into it later in life, I feel like I'm kind of the weird outlier. And then, like you have a really cool origin story of how you got on into kink. Because were you tying up the neighbor girl at twelve? No, I didn't even know
2: that rope was used for anything other than tying things to your car. Like oh, until not- so
0: what? Uh, so you tied subs to your car? Like- <laughs> No, I, I just, just see you driving around with like a sub and a pig mask. Oh so my god! No, like the, you know, like the, this, like
2: the funny thing is, like I didn't really know anything about kink until that movie. uh What was the Bachelor party with Tom Hanks that came out in the '80s? Oh god! I hey, there yeah. was a scene in the movie where uh they sent two escort prostitute dominatrixes to his fiance's bridal shower and the women walked in with a whip and assless chaps and I went oh what are those people and that's the only time I'd ever seen anything like that when I was like a kid you uh-huh. know I had no idea about any of this stuff till I was in my
0: 30s okay so you and me kinship because yeah. I was like 35 and I was like "Me too. oh my god mm-hmm. I had I probably like you I had seen a few things in the media that's like oh there is some kinky stuff but I thought it was like Not real? Like, I thought people really didn't do that. I was shocked when I discovered there were whole communities of kinky people. Right. So how did this happen for you? Wow. Well... The
2: short version is I was getting a divorce and I moved into my own apartment and a friend of mine at the time told me, uh, this really fun friend of mine that this guy told me I should get on Craigslist and go to the personals. And I'd never sewn my oats or anything. And so I found this guy, I was singing at Disneyland during the day with my band to children and families. And then at night I would go home, <laughs> have a glass of wine and, you know, I thought I was like wild and sexy, but I was really actually mourning my divorce. You know, getting over my my marriage ending, and I'm like sewing my oats online on Craigslist. And I drove to this guy's house in the middle of the night like a crazy person. Um, he had an ad that said, "Drinks tonight. Step outside the box. Come on over." And it was in all caps and badly misspelled. But he was hot, so I went over there at one in the morning. He opens the door. He looks just like his picture. I go in. After he does this, what I now know as a really badly negotiated interview, mm-hmm. he. He gets me into his bedroom and we start to kiss and I think that we're going to have sex and I'm going to go home after and he orders me to my knees. And I remember a switch went on inside me that had never, I didn't know existed. And all of a sudden I'm getting down on my knees and he's telling me to do all these things. And that was when I realized I was meeting a male Dom and I was submissive. And that was in Uh 2005.
0: Yeah. So this is funny because as I'm listening to your story, I am like, holy shit, because my first encounter was Craigslist. It was 2000, I think, eight for me. Wow. I was 30, 35, 30, okay. 37, something like that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So your submissive switch flipped on. hmm. And then, What? Like, first of all, how did that evening end? Uh, Obviously, you didn't end up in a trash bag. Like, I was afraid, you know, like, ooh, I learned later, like, Craigslist, you never know who the fuck you're going to (laughs)
2: meet. Yeah. No, no. He, what happened was I was there for probably two or three hours tops. We, we didn't have actual sex ever, which was really good. I was actually learning. He was teaching me how he wanted his sub to be. And I was Uh doing that night. I remember he poured my red wine into a dog bowl and I had requested that I wanted a bowl and he oh. loved that. And and I don't know why, but something, maybe I'd seen nine and a half weeks too many times. I don't know. But <laughs> he poured my wine in dog bowl. He flogged me. He, uh, you know, did some like forced oral and then sent me home. And I remember driving home high over uh, Laurel Canyon, just in a state of euphoria. And it was subspace, you know, and right. got home. And the next day he did his Dom check on me, like checked, called me up and saw how I was. And I was just euphoric from it. And I discovered this kind of dynamic that I'd never had with a man before. And I really loved it. Um, and I saw him on and off for about three months. Mm. Yeah, it was it was intense. And and I will say that even though he was a really bad first dom for me, like he was very misogynistic and uh, very dangerous – but if I hadn't met him, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. So yeah. I, I, I do appreciate him for that. He There was a couple of probably Me Too moments in there. But I was a grown adult. I went over there, and I got something out of it that really helped shape my life for the better. Right. So, But yeah, he was not very good at what he did. But he got me into it, and there was something about the dynamic that really worked for me.
1: So your origin story is even stranger than that because – I know the thing that originally brought you to the city of Los Angeles from Alaska. Can you elaborate on that and tell us a little bit about what actually brought you here initially?
2: Well, what brought me here was I was a kid in pageants. I was a singer and I'd won some awards and we came to L.A. to further my singing career at age 14. I was going to be I wanted to be the next Cher or Madonna or Debbie Gibson at the time. And I had a music manager and, and I went on Star Search and wanted to be this singer and that never really panned out. I ended up becoming a theater performer and a cover band singer and working at Disneyland. So is that the thing you were talking about? That
1: is absolutely the thing I'm talking about because <laughs> like, did you get to meet Ed McMahon?
2: I did. I stood next to him for quite a while, you know, when they were doing the tie and everything and. Uh, not, not bondage tie, but, you know, we were tied.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then Egg McMahon tied me to the roof of his car and put me in a pig mask. And, oh you know. my God.
2: But I shouldn't say that because he's moved on to the other side. You know, he's, yeah. he's no longer with us. So he can't vouch for that. But no, he, we, we were, the girl and I were competing <laughs> when I was in high school and we tied. And so I remember standing on the stage with him for what seemed like two hours waiting to see, to see who won. So I thought that was what I was going to do with my life and didn't turn out that way.
1: But that's absolutely amazing. I think that's just a brilliant story. And then you were bit by a radioactive Johnny White on Skid Row, and <laughs> suddenly here we are.
2: Yeah. yeah. But the thing that I that I realize is the parallel with the being the singing pageant kid and being the dominatrix or submissive is that both of those things had a platform of objectification that I craved. Oh, right. Like put like Ken did this to me when when you guys taught at Stockroom when I was curating classes and you came and taught for us. He put me in the horse mask and had me tap dance and sing, and and there's something really awesome about the dom role going do this, Hudson. Oh my god, I want to please you, and and everyone was watching. Right, it was
1: amazing. You did forced burlesque.
2: <laughs> I did, mm-hmm. I did without stripping. It was more like without yeah, 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 karaoke burlesque without yes. tracks, yeah.
0: <laughs> but with a horse mask, maybe it was horsed burlesque.
2: Oh my god, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: And the mask- I don't know why it took me this many years to think of that, but sorry. You guys should do a whole show on that. That would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be <laughs> hilarious. So, all right. So here you are singing to families at Disneyland during the day, mm-hmm. discovering this, you know, wild and kinky side of you that you've been probably craving all your life, but you've never really realized it, right? Like when, when did you put together like, Oh shit! I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I have now changed and gone over to the the latex side. That's you know, a,
2: I mean, that's such a good question because I was such a late bloomer with it. I was always open minded one on one with my partner, but I never did anything more than blindfold each other. You know, that maybe right. I did that once or twice, but I feel like once I met that Dom and I realized he was the wrong person for me. I started trying to make every guy I met after that post-divorce be dominant. And they were all scared to death of me because this was before Fifty Shades of Grey came out, you know, before the mainstream people got into it. So I just kept trying to recreate that situation. And I think it was because I never really had a strong male figure in my life. So I found like this awesome way to heal that part of my life you know is is make my romantic or sex partners be this male dominant who would take control of me and heal some part of me somehow and help me act out at the same time
0: and it's interesting listening to you talk because you sound I mean, you are—you don't just sound. You are very self-aware. You're like, well, I crave the objectification because of my childhood <laughs> and and I, I needed a male figure. But were you this self-aware as you were going through it? Like, how did you no. get to the point where you realized, like, oh, this is the origin of why I crave all this stuff? Like, how did that happen?
2: I think I think after a couple of failed attempts over several years of trying to turn vanilla guys into my kinky male dom. Uh, I gave it up for a while and then I finally one night in like 2009, 2010, I went out to a club by myself. I just bit the bullet and I happened to meet a whole crew of people that became my friends. And once I got into the public scene of BDSM clubs, I eventually started to realize my pattern. And then once my dad died is when I went, Oh, now I get it. But even though I was self-aware through all that and had lots of therapy, you know, from my adult years all the way up to now, it wasn't until my dad died a few years ago that I really understood why. So it's one thing to know that you're doing something. It's another to really understand the deep reason. And I know I sound like I'm in a therapy session and I apologize, but it's that's really what kink is for me. It's therapy.
0: Right. So what what was it about your dad dying that suddenly made this light bulb go on?
2: When he died, I realized what i had been doing with men my whole life, because I wasn't really close to him. I loved him. And we did talk once in a while. But he wasn't a regular part of my life. My entire life, I would see him maybe twice a year at, you know, holidays. Um, My whole life, I remember, here's a really good example. I was a little girl, going to the airport with my mother and sister to pick up my dad who would visit us twice a year because he worked on the Alaskan pipeline and he traveled a lot. He was the roaming tiger. And I remember in the 1970s, the airports would have these perfume machines and you could put in a quarter and push the button and it would squirt you with the smell you wanted. (laughs) And I remember putting in the quarter and pushing the Chanel number five button and squirting myself in the eye. (laughs) 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 And, And what was so great about that moment is, you know, my dad was, was, a lovely man. He was a wild child. He never harmed me, but I just wasn't close to him. And so I was putting on Chanel number five at like age seven to see my dad again. Like I wanted to smell pretty for my dad. And I'd never, I've never had any molestation of any kind in my life. You know, I'm not from childhood anyway, you know, but it was like, he was this special mysterious visitor that I wanted to be pretty and smell good for. And that, that was a huge, Thing to me after he died, remembering that, and going, mm. "Wow, like I made men this these mysteries, you know." And the more mysterious and dark a guy was that I dated, the more it felt like a loss of no father for some reason, you
0: know. Oh my God, yeah. You and, I'm like, I'm totally identifying. Like, I'm. It's not because of my father, but like I was the same way with like this dark, mysterious. Like, and they ended up all being complete, like emotionally unavailable yeah.
2: assholes.
0: Yeah. Because I was going after to me, it was like the the portrayal of men that you saw in like the teenage 80 love movies. Like <laughs> always like un emotionally unattainable. The and bad boys. Brooding. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Man, you and me, I swear. Yeah. So, well
2: we're twins. Yeah. And that's the thing is like you you realize when you lose that template, that person who created your pattern for your life, or you created it by the way you viewed them. Right. So like when he was gone, I suddenly went, Oh, like the light shone down on me and the heavens opened. And I went, Oh my God, like I have to stop doing this because no one is ever going to be my dad. My dad was who he was supposed to be to me, you know? And, um, and I forgave my dad when I wrote his eulogy because my mother told me all these things I never knew about him because I never bothered to ask. You know, like the fact that his own father left him and his siblings and mother for his second family that nobody knew about. <gasps> so my dad never knew how to be a dad because he didn't have one. So, wow. you know, why would he be a perfect father to me? You know, um, and w- and what I want to say about all this is that once I figured that out, I kind of put my female sub in a box, my inner female sub. And realize, Hey, I'm going to be my own daddy. And I, and I'm now a really great masculine energy to any client or submissive that I've been involved with. So I heal my own need for a masculine dominant energy in my life by being a really good mothering nurturer to people around me, you know, so I can still do role play with someone who like Ken is probably one of the only female doms that I know that actually could handle me. Cause you know, as pro sex, positive people, we know more than everybody who's going to top us. It's really hard yeah. to submit to someone. Ken is one of the few people I would trust that I would submit to because I know he knows his stuff, and he's a grown man, you know. Who's
1: Note really- to self: Yeah,
2: right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm taking Get you up on that. With yeah.
2: I'm writing that down. Yeah. So now that you're moving closer to me, I'll be driving over to Vegas. You know, Hell but yeah. it's you know what I mean. It's really hard for me to submit. To people anymore because the second they go to do something i'm like oh they slapped me wrong or they spanked me wrong or they don't know how to how to check my uh, nerve endings when they tie me and oh i'm already numb because they left me up on a saint andrew's cross for too long you know so it's just hard to find someone who i i can respect enough you know well thank you yeah and i really really respect you both and so that's just a compliment you know so i asked i mean i answered your question with a really long answer but no that's it you know great long answer. I mean, I
0: think, you know, we all have our origin story and we all have our like baggage. I don't even know if that's the right word, but the stuff that that motivates us to go after the weird things that we don't know why. But really, there is a reason why and we all have it. It yeah. just so happens. I strongly identify with yours like you and I are kind of on the same page.
2: Yeah. So well, you I mean, my trauma of a divorce brought me to this world and now the trauma of my father dying brings me full circle so trauma is good if we yeah. really heal it and we take it to into ourselves and deal with it
1: well yeah you don't have a revolution without a little bit of destruction that happens in right. there somewhere
2: right. You, know, right you have
1: to have that in order to rebuild and you know the alternative sign for the Scorpio is the Phoenix. We actually have to fuck up, destroy ourselves, mm. and then we rise up again from the ashes.
2: Yeah, my fellow Scorpio. That's true. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. Hey, I'm a Scorpio rising. Okay, don't Ooh. leave me out of the Scorpio party. <laughs> okay, you're included
1: in the Scorpio party. Well, we're Thank getting, you. We're getting Thank tattoos
2: you. in Vegas, the three
0: of us. Ooh, Phoenix oh, yeah. tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally do that. Yay. I would totally do that. All right, so, um, okay, I'm going to go back in time. To- <laughs> you meet craigslist bad damn guy but he brings out some good in you you're singing disney in in the day mm-hmm. you are you know at night doing kinky stuff you've met your kinky people how do you get from kinky hobby at night, Disney squeaky clean humming birds and snow white during the day to <laughs> you've been what you did the Try Guys video for BuzzFeed that got like millions of views. Yeah, you've that's been a on big TV. reason of why I
2: left Disney because I realized people were recognizing Hudson more than my singing vanilla persona, Brooke. My birth okay. name, Brooke. So I realized, you know, now's a good time for me to make a exit before I'm asked to leave, you know, because people, younger kids and, you know, high school and, and college were recognizing me from that video.
0: Really? Yeah. Like at Disney, were they like, hey, you're the kinky um, latex hitty lady. Like <laughs> yeah, what was happening?
2: More like when I was just out and about and, and more so at at kink friendly clubs or events. But I just realized I've kind of outstayed my welcome at Disneyland. I worked for Disney for 23 years. So wow. everything from Christmas caroler to stage performer to cover band singer. So I, and, and you know, and people that were starting to become my coworkers there were way younger than me. And I was kind of in their way of growing because I mm-hmm. already knew how to do that thing with a ball gag in and, you know, blindfolded with my hands tied behind my back. So I, you kind of outgrow a situation. You got to move on. So right. I, I, I eventually, you know, like we need balance when we're kinky. We can't just be kinky all the time. Cause then we kind of lose sight of, how to relate to average, normal, everyday people. Yes. So I was way too much into my kink community and not enough into my, you know, I was a wedding singer and a Disneyland singer. And I had all of my friends from high school that were like, what happened to you? And so I had to find the balance. So I after being fully immersed in kink every weekend, every week when we were at some event, you know, and I slowly just took a time out, especially since my father died and just kind of went, you know, let me get back to Brooke and see what makes her tick and bring these two personas together because Hudson helped me be strong and Brooke helps me be balanced. You know, and it sounds Ah. a little nuts, but it's, it's true. No,
1: that, that totally makes sense. And one of the things that I've noticed that makes you incredibly unique, you've actually been a very strong inspiration for me personally, because you have all this adversity that has been thrown at you over the past you know, five, six years mm-hmm. and you are still plugging away at it. You're self-made, you're self-employed. You, and you do all this amazing stuff with kink and then you tie it in to your music. And <laughs> I think that what makes you so unique is that you have expressed yourself. I remember like just seeing what an amazing performer you are as Hudsey until I saw you as Hudson when you were doing your drag <laughs> yeah. king performance Aww. and you just blew me away.
2: Oh, well, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Mistress Snow Mercy, who oh, got yeah. me to do Hudson. We, uh, She has a drag king persona called Master Sergio. And we kind of equated Sergio and Hudson to the dirty, rotten scoundrels of Michael Caine. And, oh, that is um, brilliant. Oh, what's his name? I'm blanking in my old age. Steve uh, Martin. Steve Martin. They had that movie where Michael Caine... Mentor Steve Martin, and that's how Sergio and Hudson were. So she gave me the idea to join her, and we would do performances together at Kink in the Caribbean, and we would do it in West Hollywood, at Borders. And she really was a mentor to me in so many ways and and got me to bring out Hudson. And you know, now with with the trans awareness happening in our world, I, I feel less quick to be Hudson because I don't have a trans journey. So once in a while I'll do a drag King performances Hudson if I feel there's the right venue because I don't want to, uh, disrespect or accidentally insult anyone's process, you know? Right. Um, but it, it, it is fun to do. It's just, it's very rare, but like when I'm around the right people, like you guys in different events where it's appropriate, then I'll do it, you know? Right. Right. And it's funny because when you're a, a, a curvy, larger woman becoming mm-hmm a drag king, you suddenly feel like the smallest, petitest man in the world. Like your hands become very little, your nose becomes very little. Everything becomes like, I kind of look like a little Asian Justin Bieber when I'm, when <laughs> I'm in a drag. Bit. Yeah. It's because my features are already kind of Asian. Um So when I become a man with my blonde, Justin Bieber wig, it's really weird. So you start to notice all the different things that, that, drag performers have to deal with and where that overlays into trans and how that can be a very touchy subject and you have to be very respectful of those lines you know
1: right right
2: (laughs) being a privileged white hetero cis woman that i am you know so it's I'm,
1: i'm actually going through a similar dilemma right now because i really want to be a bearded lady for oh, like a like that. a straight up circus mm-hmm. performers bearded lady, but I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, am I stepping on the toes of trans people? Like I'm trying to I'm like figure out is this cultural appropriation? Yeah, I think that- you
2: have to say since trans is not a journey, you have you have to say it's drag, like kind of like some kind yeah. of a performance art drag. And then they go, oh, he's not trying to say he's a woman. He's actually-
0: no, I'm not trying to say yeah. a woman. I'm trying, yeah,
1: right. And are yeah. you saying
0: for Halloween or just for like April twelfth?
1: <laughs> yeah, six of one half dozen or <laughs> the other.
2: Now I, do, think, I have, do. I have to choose. I think no, you're a performance artist when you do it, and there's that's totally acceptable,
0: right? You know? Right. All right. So, uh, Hudsy Hobby Hutsey Hobby Kink Hutsy <laughs> s- suddenly became. I want a pro- doll called Hobby Hobby Kink, kink Hutsey
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Suddenly became pro Dom Kink. Hutsey, how yeah. did that happen? And it's like, okay, so at the time, also when you were beginning, starting your pro dom journey, were you submissive in oh. your down hours? Like, how did that work?
2: Yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, I I found my tribe in the kink community, and my dom and a bunch of our kinky friends at the time suggested I do pro work. And so, when you go to like the pro houses, like the Dominion in Culver City, I'll give them a shout out, Lady Hillary, uh, who runs the Dominion. You know, you have to start as sub. It's like the kinky Girl Scouts. So I was already submissive. So I learned Mm -hmm. how to be a trained pro submissive in my late 30s, which is kind of weird, because the the markability of a a pro sub is, you know, a young 20 something. So I I, but I could do the role because I was submissive. And then through the help of Mistresses Snow Mercy and Mistress Nikki Rouge and these, all these amazing women that worked there at the time in 2010, I started to get trained by the best women in the business on how to flog correctly. And I, I really hesitated to become a pro switch because I was very attached to my submissive story with my father figure issues. So uh-huh. I, I didn't really want to let go of, of being submissive, but my partner at the time encouraged me to not only be a pro sub, but to be a lifestyle switch. So he was poly and he encouraged me to take on other lovers like he was and to like, get in touch with my switchy side. So I ended up having a really amazing, a love of my life, uh lifestyle male submissive who really helped me, uh, be the pro I, the, the, the really good mothering top I am today. I'm a service top. I don't consider myself a dominant. I consider myself someone who can get paid uh, to be a really good dominant for someone in an hour, or I can be a really nurturing mommy dom to a lifestyle sub. Okay. Um, so I, I, I kind of went that route for a couple of years. And then when it got to the point where I knew more than most of my play partners, I realized, okay, now it's time to be a pro top, a pro dominant, especially since that's how all the men who would come into a club saw me anyway.
1: Right. You know, I mean,
2: I can't really pretend to be a sub anymore when I'm learning too much about myself, but I don't consider myself a dom. I consider myself a service top for pay and a switch. You know, right. I just right. don't get to switch that much as a sub because I, no one can top me because I don't, you know, a lot of people that want to top me end up doing something wrong. And I know right. that sounds judgmental, but it's just the black and white truth of it. You know? Yeah, and I think
1: I think we have that in common. You and I are both service tops, and I think yeah. maybe that's like, you know, there's a trust factor there that you have somebody, if you know that they're not just exuding this dominant energy, but they're also genuinely empathic and caring about yes. the submissive. Yes, and like, so we're going to take I, better know, care of them than they are.
2: You know, for the sure, and themselves. we're both
1: sadistic as fuck. I mean, like, there's no doubt about <laughs> it, but, like, if I accidentally hit you in a part of your body, I don't intend to, I'm going to start apologizing and feel Mm -hmm. really genuinely bad. That wasn't the spot I was aiming for. Right. And and accidents happen.
2: Yeah. and, And that's the thing is, is that we, and for those that are listening to your show, like service top for my definition of it for myself is that, I have a submissive nature to please and take care of people. So when I'm a service top, you're telling me what you want to do and we negotiate. And then I be of service as a dom for that time together. And I don't necessarily control your 24 seven life. I, I have no interest in that. You know, Mm -hmm. I just really want the time that we agree to play together to be what you had envisioned and that I can actually see myself doing, (laughs) Right. (laughs) you know,
0: and, and while we're doing definitions, uh, mommy dom, which I also identify Mm -hmm. with very much. Can you define that for the audience as well?
2: Well, and a mommy dom depends on the dynamic of the two people. If I was your mommy dom, I would be like, you know, helping you with your food if that's your deal or helping you work out or, you know helping you give you advice, taking care of you if something went wrong. But I'm not going to be the mommy dom that changes your literal diaper. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's different <laughs> for everyone. You know, I'm not going to put a bottle in your mouth because I'm not into age play. But right. if someone paid me per hour to do that, I would probably do some research on it and, and, and do it for an hour, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, mommy dom, I think you and I are a lot alike, especially coming from the same generation where we really like to take care of others that we are fond of.
0: So while we're on the, I don't know, the the subject of defining things, I think a lot of our audience is very familiar at this point with what a pro-dom is. You know, it's so much in the media. We get that there's professional dominance, dominatrixes, doms, whatever you want to call them. But I think for some of our audience, the concept of a pro-sub Mm -hmm. might be a little new and so what what does being a pro sub entail like how do you make sure these people aren't you know if you're with a client who's tying you up like they could do bad shit to you like what are the safety precautions like give us the rundown on the life of a pro sub
2: sure well a pro sub is in my experience more popular than a pro dom because there's because if if you want to be a pro kingster, you really need to go safety wise, you must go to a licensed and, uh, insured house a dungeon you need to go somewhere where you have protection with a person who's been in, running the business a long time and they they have a clientele and they know their clientele and if they're bringing in a new client for the first time they're vetting them and and they have the skills the history of of doing this forever to know how to read new clients so if you're going to if you have a fantasy of being a pro sub you shouldn't just put an ad out on the internet you should actually go work for a house a dungeon and be mentored and trained by the people who know what they're doing. So a pro sub is more popular than pro dom because like, let's face it, a dungeon gets mostly 90% male clients. Most male clients between ages 35 and 65 are paying for this service because they're not getting it in their personal life. They want to get in and out of the dungeon quickly. They want their fantasy to happen. And most of these men want a cute little young thing who will put on the schoolgirl outfit. You know, there are also men who want the pro dom, but it doesn't happen as often in a safe house. Like you're going to find more pro doms working one-on-one on their own. Mm. These are women who have their own clientele and they go by their own rules. They'll do things that a pro house won't do like pegging or whatever, because uh, they don't have to worry about, you know, getting busted. So, you know, they're, they have their own clientele and they know them, but a house goes by the rules. They're licensed by their city. They, they pay their taxes. Usually they, they've been there a long time because they're playing by the rule book. So that's really good for a pro submissive because they're safe there for the most part. You will get an occasional jerk who does the wrong thing to you. But if you're in a house run by a team and at least 10 to 30 other girls work there, there's a safety in that. Mm. So that's my advice is, you know, find your local dungeon. And if there isn't one, you probably, if you this is your passion in life, you should move to a city that has one. LA has two that are highly recommended. I know New York had some for a while, um, but it's really important to be safe about these things because if you go on Craigslist, well, you can't anymore, but if you go on any website, you're asking for trouble if you're just going to get paid by some person you haven't vetted to start hitting you with
0: things, you know? Right.
2: Right, because that just
0: sounds scary to me. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're in a house, like obviously you're in your own, you know, private area or room. Mm-hmm. If some if somebody does get out of line, do you just like shout out, or is there somebody watching? Like, how does that work?
2: Well, you know, I only have the experience at the Dominion to share, but right. what they do is they have intercoms. So when you're ready to start your session, I mean, I should back up. When the client comes in and they pick you, you do an interview, a negotiation,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and and you discuss what you both are okay with. And a, a house, like a dungeon has rules. There's no sex, there's no exchange of bodily fluids. Um, there's, you know, no blow jobs, hand jobs, foot jobs. It's, it's all role play. So right. that can include, he wants to talk about, uh, you know, maybe some guy comes in and he wants to talk about that. You were the babysitter that molested him and you have to act that out verbally but you can't actually really molest them. Or maybe he wants to flog you and you need to discuss what flogger you're okay with. Once you discuss all that's going to happen, you have to do your best to protect yourself that nothing extra is going to happen. If something extra happens, you call the scene and that person is banned from ever coming back. But Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, most clients won't screw themselves over like that because they want to be able to come back to this place. This is their a kinky spa visit they don't want to get kicked out of the spa you know right um so it's very rare that you'll get a problem person that we have to ban but it does happen and it usually sometimes unfortunately they get away with it a few times because you know in the world of me too now a lot of women are learning to speak out but a lot of women haven't for a long time so you'll find that a girl will speak out when another girl says it happened and then everybody will join forces and get this person banned you know, um, so yeah, I know that's a long answer, but the important thing is is to go somewhere where there's safety in numbers, and everyone protects everyone.
0: Hey pst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like i don't know funding for national public radio or how p b s works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you're thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American Sex. Castle Megastore once you see their sex toys you'll want more I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song but I really dig Castle Megastore so that's my gift to you Castle your very own theme song and you listeners get a gift too if you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code Sunny that's S-U-N-N-Y when you check out you will receive 20% off your order that's amazing Castle Megastore megastore. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money, you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my god, give me water that was the best orgasm ever.
1: You know, and it's there's a whole layer of you know, complexity added on to the fact that when you're a dominatrix or a professional submissive or you work in a dungeon or you're a sex worker, uh, because anybody in any profession can be sexually assaulted. But in those professions specifically, it's so much harder to get legal action in your way that you have to have some kind of external support network, which is why the security of a house is So amazing to beginners.
2: And it's funny because a lot of women that work in the dungeon work, they're, they're actually, some of them have been escorts. Some of them have been strippers. Some of them have just been people like me who needed to do role play with BDSM to understand my own background issues, you know? So it's a really great place to train yourself on boundaries. Um, so it's extreme. (laughs) It's like, how better to learn to say no than to throw yourself into a room with a man who says he's a male dominant and keeps insisting you pull your underwear down when that's against the house rules, you know, ah. um, you learn real quick what your own issues are around standing up for yourself and respecting yourself. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I've had some bad session experiences, like traumatizing moments, but now being mistress Hudson, <laughs> I I won't put up with it for a minute. You yeah. know, but I had to go through that. It
0: was like really weird kinky college. Yeah. So I have one one more question because i, I never by never Kinky really...
1: college, by the way, we just have to give a shout out to kinky Bruce. college saying this was, yes, this was yeah. not a comment about <laughs> your kinky college. This was quote right. kinky college. Kinky
0: college is a convention that goes on <laughs> in Chicago twice a year, by the way. We love you, okay. Bruce. So, um. I'm just fascinated with the whole professional sub thing because like you had said before your first kink experience, you left quote high. You were in a state of subspace and those that are kinky know that when you are done with a really intense scene, you have all of these like, you know, your endorphins are going and all, you know, all of your brain chemicals are and you're kind of floating on air. That's the, this subspace that we talk about. So Mm -hmm. when you're a pro sub, what is it like getting off work and unwinding when you've been in like different states of subspace for different scenes throughout the course of one day? Is that emotionally taxing?
2: Well, you know, you? What? I was lucky when I was a pro sub, I had a, um, a lifestyle male dominant and life partner in my life who I could talk to. Um, uh. one time in particular, uh, this, this male client, he actually, he did something really horrible where he negotiated me agreeing to his putting his fingers in my mouth. And um, I, I didn't want him to. But what I ended up doing was saying if he put on latex gloves, we have these cleaning gloves that we use. And I felt like, okay, well, if I can meet him halfway, if, if he puts on the gloves, then I don't feel it's an issue. And Mm -hmm. what happened is, and I hope this isn't sharing too much, but it's a sex podcast. I I I imagine there is no too much. Yeah, there is no too much. Just say what you feel. He put his fingers in my mouth while I was in a submissive kneeling position, and the second he did that, I didn't realize that for him that was a metaphor for his penis, and he like came, and and it hit me, and (gasps) I remember being so upset because I hadn't agreed to that, you know, and I didn't even know that. It was out of his pants. You know, I was looking up at him and the fingers. We'd been dealing with this hand debate, you know, for, for like 20 minutes. And when that happened to me, something happened to me inside. And rather than lock down, I exploded and I let him have it. And I'll never forget when I got out of that room, he had left a $20 tip somewhere in the room for me. And I was so offended by this $20 tip and I, I talked to my dom about it and he ended up doing this really loving thing where he folded it up real tight, tied it into a bondage knot with some string and we put it on my vision board at home. And Mm. it was a symbol to never again, uh, try to be that pleaser submissive. I was, I mean, and, and one of the people that owned the dungeon told me later, your mistake was you should have called the session when he kept trying to get you to agree to something you didn't want to agree to. But the submissive in me was trying to make it work. And that's the downfall for pro subs who are lifestyle subs, right? So a pro sub could actually be a dominant woman who's just a masochist. So I think pro subs who who, girls who want to be pro subs should actually just do camming where they're safe. If they're okay with Absolutely. being on camera, they can do it in the safety of their home. These And and that's where it's going anyway. Dungeons are dying, you know, because men can just get it quickly done online. So women who want to be submissive for, for pay should just do it online. And then they don't risk harming themselves physically. They might agree to things emotionally they shouldn't on camera, but at least it's on camera. You know, if they're already willing to be... Showing their face on camera, then that's on them. You know, we have to learn as as submissives how to be dominant, and BDSM is a great way to do that. But you got to realize you're throwing yourself in the lion's den, and be proactive. And that's why these pro dom and pro sub classes are so important to go to because you can learn from my mistakes. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's important.
0: And for those listening along who maybe aren't familiar with the pro world, what's wrong with a twenty dollar (laughs) tip?
2: Well. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing that was wrong with that tip is that I didn't want anything from him at all, you know, and, right. um, it felt like he felt that was his apology. Um, a lot of the houses, just to, to be fully honest with everyone listening, they usually take 50% of the fee. And the going rate in LA right now for a pro, a pro house is 200 an hour. Someone who works for their, for themselves can charge anywhere from that and up. Um, Mm -hmm. because they have a lot more costs to, you know, take care of, but a $20 tip would have been 10% of what he paid for the hour. You know, um, obviously we want tips, but it's, you know, we don't, we never, it's like a waitress never says, please tip me, you know, same thing with a, a pro worker, a pro sex worker. You don't demand a tip, but you know, a good client should know that's expected, especially when you're giving half your money away, you know? Right. Um, so. And,
1: and I want to add something here real yeah. quick to those of you who are considering uh, going to a professional dominatrix. A correct tip would be two parts. One would be at least a $50 tip as a bare minimum, mm-hmm. plus a gift of some sort would be traditional as well. Right. A nice bottle of wine, a gift card to Amazon, fancy chocolates. But you should be giving around $100 worth of stuff in addition to paying for the session.
2: If that worker is exceeding our expectations, obviously, I have a problem with this goddess complex idea where the guy, like, asks for his session needs and then it it isn't met and then he gives her a pair of shoes. You know, like, I just think that we have to remember there is a customer service aspect to this. Like, and that's probably my Disney background. Um, But I – I do think that as long as the client or the customer is being a decent person, that they should be treated as such as well. They have mm-hmm. an expectation. And if I'm working on my own without a house, I can charge what I feel I need to. Like for me, that's 300 an hour, but that's because I'm not agreeing to certain other things that I really only do with my lovers, you know, right. That I have my own boundaries around it. Um So I only have a certain rate, you know, if someone wants more, I usually actually refer them to, my good friends who are escorts who dabble in bdsm you know and that's mm-hmm. just my boundary um but you know everybody's different so everybody has their prices and and i'm glad that ken said that cuz yeah for the most part a lot of doms have that same expectation of their clients you know right. but everyone's different and every client should ask those questions or they're they're probably not going to get a session again and they're going to wonder why
1: mm-hmm. absolutely hey Hudson, can i ask you a personal question yeah you ever fucked in a mini mouse outfit <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you know, I, I worked for the mouse for 20 plus years. So I have too much respect for him to put on the outfit. I feel like I'm not getting consent from Mickey himself. You know, like I just, I, I, I don't know why, but I, yeah, they, they, they really took care of me for so long. I mean, if it wasn't for Disney, I, I wouldn't have been able to pay my rent for two decades. So yeah, yeah. I just don't think I could do it. Like I, I feel such a respect. What about Ariel? um if it was some kind of version of her that wasn't in a disney package like if i bought a disneyland costume i would feel like i was going to burst into flames
0: (laughs) besides you know what i cannot even imagine what mickey mouse's sex noises would be like oh my god
1: i'm coming i'm coming i'm coming i honestly
2: think if mickey was kinky he would be with that conductor wand just telling everyone else what to do he would be what i call a puppeteer he, oh, yeah. Right? He would fantasia, be crazy. Uh, He'd be fan- Fantasia kink. You know, he would be telling everyone else what to do and twirling his baton. Like, he's got too many ideas to get involved.
1: fantasia erotica
0: <laughs> Ooh, this could be a thing. Oh, Maybe. I don't know. All right. So- you know, throughout the years, you have become a very highly respected and sought after kink educator, um a coach, uh, uh you do all sorts of things. But one thing that you have been doing recently is your musical memoir show from Vanilla to Kink. Yeah. So what is this all about? So what
2: happened is, Three years ago, when I met you guys, I did it in 2015. I did it briefly at the stockroom, and it was a show showing how I went from being married to divorced, meeting the dom I told you about, to meeting my poly kinky friends who were also into, into BDSM, to then getting dumped by the the poly partner, and then realizing that oh wow, I I can just be my own dom, and that was the end of the show. Then my dad died a few months after that. I went away for three years and I recently came back with a revamped version of the show last April, where instead of ending with, oh, I'm kinky and I can be a dom, it turned into, oh my God, my dad died. And now I know why I love male doms so much and why I need to become my own dom. And so it was this great beginning, middle and end. And what I do is, is I, I present that show to kink, curious, vanilla people in normal theaters And I I just show them a sprinkle of BDSM because for me, it's not about, hey, I'm trying to make everyone kinky. I'm just trying to share my own story of why I became kinky Mm -hmm. and how it's healed my life. So the show, it, it really is just how I went from Disney to the dungeon and how my dad dying was the greatest gift of my life because it showed me why I was who I was. And, and I have to tell you, not to sound arrogant, but when we did the show in April and he died, everyone in the audience was crying because everyone has a relatability to their relationship with their parent or parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, mm-hmm. and BDSM is all about that for most people. I mean, yeah, some people just like to get hit and that's all it is. But for most of us, we're acting out some relationship from From our childhood or or what we watched, and so everyone was crying because I just touched on how my father being absent in my life created this whole thing that they watch me do to myself. You know, right? So from vanilla to kink is how I went from a sweet little girl from Anchorage, Alaska, in pageants and Disneyland to becoming this dominatrix persona, and then my dad dying, which brings me all the way back to the little girl again.
0: Right? You know, we're all on that journey. You know, yeah. And I think it's interesting because. A lot of your education and what you do really does center on those curious vanillas, which is a lot of what Ken and I do. Yes, we do advanced classes for the hardcore Kingsters, but a good segment of our education is geared towards people like just sticking their toe in the water. Yeah. And, and one thing that, you know, a common theme that's I'm hearing in what you're saying is that I think when people uh stigmatize kink and they think only weirdos do it or they do it for weird reasons and that's not me. I could never do that. That we're all human and and it's all relatable. We all have the same common denominators. Like we have shit from our past and baggage from our past that's fucked us up and it usually is like you said, you know, the way we were raised, our parents, blah 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 blah, blah. and then We all have the common denominators of wanting to be loved, wanting to feel validated, wanting to feel, you know, respected and whole. And and we're all after that, whether we're completely vanilla and that vanilla is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. or we're the kinkiest motherfuckers on the planet. The, we're all after the same lowest common denominators.
2: It's so true. And and the best part is like, if you just add time to everything, it all works out. Like I want to tell you guys a short story. I, I went and did my show. Um, I won't say the city because I don't want to out this person, but I had um after my divorce, I met this Dom after the Craigslist guy who was the love of my life. I put him on this pedestal and and he was the first and only guy who ever really accidentally was a daddy Dom to me. I taught him, I taught from the bottom and taught this guy 15 years ago, how to be my perfect dom. And then his wife found out (laughs) and I didn't know he was married at first, but once I found out I was too far gone to let him go. And when she found out seven months later, I lost him. We flash forward to 15 years later. I recently taught in this other state. I found him on Facebook. We talked again. He's now remarried, has a whole new family. So it was okay for me to connect with him and talk to him. I healed a fifteen year long wound and and realized that like by my dad dying and all this stuff happening, that's why I was able to do it. And if you just put time on any wound, it all works out. And I realized he and I are so much the same in what we've been through. And he was the dad I didn't get to have, and that was why I was so attached. But he's in the show. I I give him a song in my show. Oh you know, yeah, and that's awesome. And so one day I hope for him to see it, but it it was so so healing to meet his new family and and to just talk to him like a normal person, you know, and and that's what all this this kink stuff does for me. It's like this therapeutic healing where I can one day go back to the man I thought I'd never talk to again. I mean, he had a shrine at Burning Man put up for him, you know, <laughs> like all these things I did over fifteen years that I really didn't need to do to myself, you know. And if right. I hadn't found, if I found, I hadn't found BDSM. I wouldn't have had all this clarity. Um, so anyone who's, who's curious, like I love what, what you're doing with how you both teach as a team, because not only are you a team that's married and you're an amazing couple, but you're also like a mirror for other couples to whether they're gay, straight, bi, whatever, to be like, learn from your example. And I think the classes for beginners are the most important classes we can share because all the people we know that already know some stuff, they're going to be, a lot more responsible than the newbies are,
0: mm-hmm. you know? So I'm oh, yeah. so
2: thankful to you guys for what you do for the world because it inspires like me to do the same because we have, we have an obligation to share this stuff in a respectful and, you know, uh, safe way. And right. you guys, are, I wish Aww. more couples were teaching together like you guys do because it's such a great example.
1: Oh, you've just earned some extra spanking. That's yeah. true. Like, <laughs> good girl.
2: Yeah. Well, like, like Who's for example, a good girl? Who's stop, a good stop girl? it, Daddy. Stop it. No, <laughs> because, like, if I were going to do, like, if Ken was going to play with me for an hour, right, I would be calling Sonny every day until it led up to the day because I am so concerned as a, an inner sub about that Sunny's going to be okay. You know? Aww. I have such Aww. deep respect for couples and and however they choose to live their dynamic. Like, I'm actually totally monogamous and loyal. I'm a a Scorpio. You're the dog. Like I don't, I'm more worried about how the couple is doing, you know, than anything else. So it's like, for me, you guys teaching other couples is so amazing. So please don't ever stop because it's, it's a blessing and it's what's going to help people understand that this is therapeutic stuff that can help their relationship stay healthy and happy.
0: Right.
1: And I mean, one, one of the biggest secrets to our marital success, I think, is just we literally let each other know when we're doing anything out of the ordinary with playing with another person. If we're not in the same room, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, I have gotten everything I want out of my, like, relationship with Sonny simply by asking her, you know, this thing is going to happen. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. She says yes, mm-hmm. and I go on. She says no, I don't do it. And right. you
2: know what? You're you know, almost really- having a negotiation outside of the other play partner because you're saying sunny here's all the things i'm gonna do and then if you go outside of that then you have to clean up with sunny you know so it's like but yeah. you're you're adults who know yourselves and that's right that's the big you know secret ingredient
0: and but, honestly it's like you know it sounds on the surface like i don't know veto power like okay you you can't do this ken because and it's the times i've said no to anything like i I can count on one hand it's usually like something that's like safety related or more practical like logistical it's not like you know emotionally motivated if i say no to you know what i mean right it's usually like yeah yeah thanks for letting me know have fun you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although when
1: we move to Vegas, I do think that we should put odds on cause she's really good at guessing this one will last two weeks. This one's uh, maybe a month.
2: Uh, well, cause and because she knows you and she knows yeah. people. Yeah. So it's like, yes. you just get really good at reading energy and like, okay, well that'll be one that, that Ken plays with for two months. Cause he's going to burn out real quick. Cause I can already tell she's like this. Yes. <laughs> you know? No, totally. That's exactly
1: right. And I'm terrible at it. Like I'm like, oh, I don't know. I got that, you know, the NRE coming in and that new relationship energy. Yeah.
2: And, and the, and the and second brain and the excited. second head, which like so, you have to split the the
0: blood.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like I'm thinking boobs the whole time, butt, <laughs> yeah. boobs, spanky, spanky, and, and, and I'm just like, like go ahead, untry. watch, <laughs> yeah. and see
0: this
2: one implode. You're like, I'm setting like- my timer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in, in, in a month.
1: <laughs> totally, I can honestly totally. say she's never been wrong either. Like, yeah. that's and that's why, why love you
2: something. love her. And that's why you guys, you, you make each other blossom and grow together. And I love you guys for that. It's, it's Aww. inspiring that, um, you know, that's what I want. I want a 24-7 partner like that. And I don't believe in locking someone down and, and giving them a bunch of rules, even though I'm monogamous. I want my partner to be happy. And if right. you try to control things or people, it's not going to work.
0: hmm A men
2: Mm, aim it to the men
0: yes so (laughs) all right you have got um some upcoming classes that you're doing like you teach quite a bit so what have you got coming up like what kind of classes
2: right at the time we're recording this podcast i'm going to be teaching up at the armory in san francisco i'm doing yeah they're great and uh dusty is the contact over there she's a wonderful lady Mm -hmm. i'm going to be doing a scene negotiation class on Sunday, October 21st at 2 p.m., 2018, and then a break and then a six o'clock cl- class, which is actually Pro Dom 101, which will benefit people who are lifestyle Doms too, because Ooh. all those pro things we're trained on can only help benefit a lifestyler, you know, ways to protect yourself and to protect your partner. Yeah. Um, really s- simple. Uh, common sense things that we forget that pro and lifestyle can do. So those are two back-to-back classes coming up this month. And then I, I'm really excited to go back to Exotica, which we've all hung out at before. Yeah. I'm going to Exotica, Exotica, Jersey. I'm doing Jersey, okay. November 2, 3, and four. Taomi's the contact there for all of our other educators. We love Tayomi. She's yeah. been a
0: past guest too. She's
2: wonderful. And, yeah. and I'm going to be hanging out in New York City. I'll probably give a, a shout out to the New York Fetish Tribe, uh, Mike B. I'm oh, going to go visit them. They do a, a party the first Saturday of every month. So I'll teach during the day and then go see them at night. And um, and then I just, I try to teach at least once a month because it, it keeps me fresh and I feel like I'm being of service. It doesn't matter how much I make because every place is different. I just really want to help people do this correctly and safely. Uh, so anything I can do, my, you know, I'm not the most skilled dom in the world. If you ask me to tie you up, I'm going to give you some garbage ties. Like I prefer cuffs every time, but I am good Again, at- Again,
0: this is why we're twins. Yeah. I hate rope. It's not, my brain
2: doesn't work that way. It's not my thing. It's yeah. a mathematical- Genius that only some people have. I can't remember patterns like that, but I can remember. Yeah, but
1: you're, you're like a whirling dervish with quarantine. (laughs) Like I've seen you before. Like I don't know if you were a cheerleader in a past lifetime, but you come in there and you're like a helicopter. Oh,
2: you're so sweet. No, but I, I mean, I really good at helping newbies. That's my forte. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I leave the bondage stuff to people like Ken and Lucifer. I'm more about, you know, just, just helping newbies like do lifestyle design and create their own way of
1: doing things. Oh. oh, and shout out to our brother, Sir yeah. I miss you, Lucifer. Like, I got to hook up with him at some point while I'm still in L.A. Like, both of you, actually.
0: Yes, we'll we'll all go out. That would be great. All right. So, real quick, as we as we wind down... Uh, where can people find you? And by the way, people don't be like, oh my God, I got to find a pen and write this down because if you miss it, no worries. Everything that Hudsey says, all the links, I will have in our show notes at AmericanSexPodcast.com. So where can we get more Hudsey? You can
2: get more Hudsey just using the word Hudsey Han on Google. You'll find my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, my Medium writing account. Uh, it's all Twitter, uh, Twitter.com slash Hudsey Han. Just use that rule across the board and you'll find mm. me and my website is from vanilla to kink.com, which is not only the show name, but also my curriculum concept.
0: Awesome. Yay. I gotta say like, Talking to you makes me realize like how not that often we get to talk to each other. We get to see each other. Yeah. And then every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my God, twin. like with your whole your dad dying. I'm like, my mom died. And then I went through, you know, I wasn't married, but it was like a divorce, like so many similar patterns. And I bet people listening will, you know, we all, I don't know, in our 40s, we Everyone in their 40s has gone through like similar shit. You know, people dying, tragedies, divorce. A lot of us, I think what you've been through and what you've shared is going to be relatable to a lot of people and maybe just like your show they're all crying right now with their earbuds on
2: (laughs) well I appreciate that I mean we're all we're all just here learning from each other and if there's one thing I'm really grateful for it's that I mean I used to be really uptight and conservative growing up in Anchorage, Alaska and I am so thankful to the kink community the BDSM community for showing me what the world can be like and it, it helps you in your vanilla world too so oh, wow. I, I, I appreciate both of you for being the teachers, mentors, and friends that you've been to me and the people listening. Like, really, thank you for what you do.
1: Aww. Aww. Thank
2: you.
0: Group hug. <laughs> I know. Let's all hug Grab butts while we do it. There is consent on all my right, end. Woo-hoo. Yeah, <laughs> all
1: right. That's what I'm talking um, about. Um,
0: so thank you so much, Hudson. Thank dun, you. Dun dun, 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 dun. And, uh, everybody go check out Hudsy Han. All righty. Bye bye. Bye. Stay kinky, my friends. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag Cy chicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.